Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the Indiana Bible College podcast. If you feel outnumbered by the enemy, if you are fighting something that is too big for you, when your enemy is too great, God will strengthen your hand. This reminder comes directly from our sermon today entitled, What to Do with Feeble Hands. It was preached in an IBC chapel prior to the shift to online learning during the spring of 2020 and will recenter your determination to follow God's will. Today, Reverend Tyler Bryant brings the Word of God to the IBC podcast via this IBC chapel service. Typically, he is serving as the director of distance learning, where you can earn a certificate of apostolic studies, earn a complete four-year degree, or just sharpen your knowledge of scripture. The new distance learning program is, of course, 100% online, 100% self-paced, 100% affordable, and 100% the perfect way to continue your education. If you're ready to sign up now, or at least interested in the possibility of enrolling, visit www.ibcdl.com. While we're speaking of the online, we should remind you that Victory, Indiana Bible College's newest worship album, will release on Apple Music June 1st, 2020. Victory will soon thereafter hit Spotify and other streaming services, and currently, a couple of those songs are already on the YouTube channel for IBC and on the Facebook page, so we encourage you to check those out. We welcome you to join with us in worship while listening to those songs and while listening to What to Do with Feeble Hands, preached by Reverend Tyler Bryant. Amen. Thank you so much. So good to be with you today in chapel. And uh, it's always a privilege to be here together, experience the presence of God and the strength of God. And uh, I want to ask the sound booth back there, are you guys ready with that video? Did that work out okay? I'm getting a thumbs up. Okay. Well, we'll just add another layer of confirmation then. Okay. We're going to turn to Isaiah 35. While you're turning there, I want to say what a privilege it is to be a part of this team. Thank you for that introduction, Brother Gallion. And thank you for the opportunity to preach chapel. I told some of you after the event on the concert on Friday night, and I meant it with all sincerity, that Brother Gallion is the best campus pastor that God has ever created, and we are so blessed here, the ministry of Brother and Sister Gallion, and it just seems like every time he steps to this pulpit, whether it's at the end of a concert or closing out a chapel service, he always knows exactly what to say, what the student body needs in that moment, and what a blessing it is that we have had their ministry here for some years now, shaping the culture of this Bible college. You guys are so blessed to have the Galleons. We are blessed by the entire team at Indiana Bible College. What a wonderful group of people that have served here and labored for the kingdom of God. And I'm grateful that my wife and I get to be a part of that. I'm so glad she's here with me today. And we get to play a role at Indiana Bible College. So thank you for having us. I've wrestled 
with God, uh, which is fitting concerning what I'm considering what I'm getting ready to preach, because I did not want to preach this sermon today. Uh, you know, you get a chance at Indiana Bible College, you staff member, you know, will preach once a year in chapel, and you want to leave something that's maybe enduring for the future ministry of the apostolic movement that's represented here in this chapel today, but I just feel like God maybe wants to deal with something just in this moment right now. And it might just be a handful of people, but God wants to deal with something in this moment right now. So I want to try to strengthen and encourage somebody today. Isaiah chapter 35, verse number one, it says this, the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. They're going to see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands. And confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. And I want to preach this morning, if you'll help me, just for a few minutes what to do with weary hands. What to do with weary hands. You can be seated in Jesus' name. <clears throat> I want to show you a little video here in just a moment, if they'll get that ready to play. It tells the story of about two minutes of a man's life, a man by the name of Chris Gursky. Chris Gursky stood on a hilltop in Switzerland with one hand holding on to his pilot and the other hand holding on to a hang glider, gearing up for an adventure. The pilot asked Gursky whether he was ready, and then he gave the command, three, two, one, go. And the pilot shouted, run, 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 run. Video shows the two men run and then soar into the air. But it was in this instant that Gursky realized that something had gone terribly, terribly wrong. His harness had not been attached to the aircraft. And soon, Gursky and his pilot were 4,000 feet in the air, and he is hang gliding for dear life. I want you just to take a look at this video that was captured of Gursky and his pilot. You can see in this video that the Gursky and his pilot are flying over beautiful, lush, rolling hills, brightly colored trees and farmhouses that look like Monopoly game pieces from 4,000 feet up and 
For a brief moment near the beginning of the terrifying journey, it appears that Gursky let go of the hang glider and tries to grab onto the pilot with both hands, but then quickly returns one of his hands to the aircraft. The pilot is trying to maneuver to a quick landing, but is having trouble controlling the glider. The aircraft drifts downhill, and suddenly the men are flying further from the ground. More than a minute into the frightening flight, Gursky appears to let go of the pilot, holding on by one hand to a metal bar on the hang glider before retaining his, retraining his grip on the pilot. The pilot appears to be holding on to Gursky's harness as well. Gursky said, I think my left hand was making an imprint into the metal bar of that hang glider as I hung on for dear life. Let's give him a big hand for holding on until he got on the ground. <laughs> That's good, thank you. Gursky was in the air, hang gliding for dear life for a grueling two minutes and 14 seconds, ripping a tendon in his left bicep as he hung on so that he would not die. Gursky said that when he hit the ground, he broke his wrist and later had to have surgery put some pins and rods in there to correct some things, but he said uh, with the positive nature that he always had, it beats the alternative. <laughs> and I can only imagine, I mean, uh, if I was ever in a situation like this, I would be thinking, I sure do wish that I would have worked on my pull-ups a little bit more at the gym. I wish I would have spent some more time Brother Blake, hanging on to the bar and pulling my weight up and holding my weight on there. And I could only imagine just the weariness and the pain that he must have had in his hand after letting go. Some of you have experienced just in, in working or maybe in some sport where you've had to hold on to something and use your arms and use the muscles in your arms and your hands to work on something that you're holding on to for some time. And when you go to let go, you can barely release your grip off of that and your muscles ache and your, your hands are weary. And I can only imagine how he must have felt after hanging on for two minutes and 14 seconds, 4,000 feet in the air, sometimes moving as fast as 40 miles per hour. He's hanging on with everything that he has. He's holding on for dear life. How weary his hands must have been when the journey was over. How tired his hands must have been when they finally made their way to the ground. 
And so I came today with just a very simple message for somebody. And I want to tell you what you do with weary hands. I won't leave it to the end. It's not a surprise. I've only got one point to make, and I'm getting ready to let the cat out of the bag immediately. What is it that you do with weary hands? What do you do when you're tired, when you're worn out, when you feel like you can't go anymore, when you feel like you've been holding on for dear life and you're not sure how you're going to make it? Let me tell you what to do with weary hands. You hold on. Give it everything that you've got and hold Hold on. Hold on for dear life. Get a hold of it and don't let go. When you're tired and you're weary and you're beat up and you're worn out, just hold on. And I know there's some tired hands in this place today. There's some hands that are weary with some ministry. There's some hands that are tired of holding on to a promise in prayer. But I came to encourage you one more time. Keep holding on. And so Isaiah prophesies to, to us and we read in Isaiah 34, the chapter before the chapter we read, and he's writing about the judgment that's going to be coming to the nations. And then Isaiah chapter 35, he switches. It's a beautiful contrast, Isaiah 34 and Isaiah 35. In Isaiah 35, he contrasts and he begins speaking about the return to Zion, the promised return to Zion. And he says that we ought to strengthen the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. He, he says, say to them that are of, of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and he will save you. I, I want to just, let, let's look at that in a couple different uh, translations, if you will. Just look at verse number three. The, the New Living Translation says it like this. It says, with this news, strengthen those who have tired hands. The, the, the NIV says, strengthen the feeble hands. The NASB says, encourage the exhausted. The NET, the New English Translation says, strengthen the hands that have gone limp. The, the, uh, the RVR says, fortalecer las manos cansadas. That's the Spanish version for everybody. So the, the, Hebrew, the Hebrew word for strengthen in this scripture, it refers to the strength residing in the hand for grasping or holding on to something manfully, like a, a warrior would hold on to his weapon. And so I want to tell you today, if your hands are weary, keep holding on. I came to strengthen some weary hands today. The presence of God, the Spirit of God, and the Word of God is here today to strengthen somebody with weary hands, somebody whose soul is worn out and tired, somebody whose spirit has given all that they have. God wants you to know that He is with you, and He will strengthen your weary hands. Mm, can, you, can you help me? Brother Henderson, I need, I need you to read me a little bit today. I know you're the official reader. It seems like of of the word of God when somebody's preaching. We're gonna look, we're gonna go to a couple passages of scripture today. But can you get second get second Samuel chapter twenty three, second Samuel chapter twenty three for me? And we're gonna go to verse number eight. It talks about a warrior. This has given us. Uh, I should have given this to you before because there's some hard names in here. I'm so sorry. Just do the best you can. Second Samuel chapter twenty three. 
That's why I'm having him read it, because I don't know how to pronounce them. <laughs> Second Samuel chapter 23, verse number 8, talking about the mighty men of David. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachmanite that sat in the seat chief among the captains. Yeah. The same was Abeno the Isnite. That's good. He lifted up his spear against 800, whom he slew at one time. 800 guys with a spear at one time. Verse 9. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite, who are one of the three mighty men yes. with David. When they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. So let's stop right there. This is, so his name is Eleazar. He's one of the three mighty men of David who is fighting against the Philistines. The Bible says when the men of Israel, is that what it says? The men of Israel. The men of Israel were gone away. They were away. gone away. And so you have here, if I'm, if I'm thinking about this correctly, you have, you have Eleazar and, and two other men, three mighty men, and David, four, if, I, if, if my uh, public school education serves me right, that's one, two, three, four men. I can count. Thank you, Jesus. There's four men, and they're fighting the Philistines. And the Bible says that the, the, the men of Israel had gone away. What kind of men were they? Not the kind of men I want to be fighting with. They, they were fearful men. I think one of those translations said something about the, the limp-handed. Maybe they were the limp-handed men. They went away from the battle. They weren't willing to fight the battle. They, 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 they ran away from that. Now, Eleazar, his name means God has helped. God has helped. And what does it say in verse number 10 about Eleazar? He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. He fought until his hands got tired. And then what? And his hand clave unto the sword. And then his hand clave unto the sword. He fought until his hands were weary, and then his hand was stuck to the sword. And the Bible says that the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. <laughs> See, the ones that ran away from the fight, once the victory was won, they came running back in and wanted to come get the spoil. But you have Eleazar, who was willing to stand there with his sword and fight. And he fought until his hand got tired, and then his hand, the Bible says, clave to the sword. If you dig into the meaning of that word clave, you'll find that it means to adhere. Uh, one, one translation, one dictionary even said it's, it's to adhere as if you were adhering it with glue. Or one, one dictionary took it even a little bit further. It says it was like they were, they were soldered together. It's as if the hand and the sword became one. It's like he fights so long and holds on to it so hard until you can't tell where his sword ends and his hand begins. And you can't tell where his hand end, ends and the sword begins. And he's fighting there all alone. Everybody else had run away. But he fights until his hand is weary. And he holds on to the sword, slaying the enemy until his hand is weary, until his hand becomes adhered to the sword. And I came with a word for somebody that's been fighting an enemy today. Somebody who's been fighting and it feels like you're all alone. And it feels like everybody else uh, has run away from the battle. And you're left there fighting the enemy. And your hands have gotten weary. And you've been fighting with the sword. Let me ask you something. Would it be possible for somebody to know where you end 
and the sword begins. Because what happens when we get in that position is the flesh comes out and what's in our heart begins to come out. We begin to complain and we begin to murmur and we begin to speak negative things instead of speaking the word of God and the promises of God. Or would you be like this man of God, Eleazar, the one who the Lord helped, that, that your hand becomes adhered to the sword, where you can't tell where the sword ends and, and the man begins. See, there ought to be something in the child of God that when we're fighting the enemy, that when things don't seem to be going our way, you can't even tell where the man begins because the man is so attached to, to the sword. The man is so full of the word of God. The man is so full of the spirit of God that I don't have natural reactions anymore. I have spiritual reactions. I have word reactions. And the promises of God begin spilling out of my mouth. And the hope of the word begins pouring out of my soul. I know I'm tired, but I'm not letting go of the sword. I know it feels like you've been fighting all alone, but don't let go of the sword. Or how about this one? How about Gideon? How about Gideon, Brother Henderson, if you can get Judges chapter 7? How about Gideon, who, who God told him, the people that are with you are too many. And so, let's just walk through this. I know you've heard this story before. But the mark of maturity is to hear it again and say, what does God want to speak to me this time? The mark of immaturity is, I already heard this one. So what does God want to speak to you in the story of Gideon today? The Bible says that they're there and they're fighting. He's, he's getting ready to fight against uh, this people, that the Midianites, the Amalekites that have come against the people of God. He's got 32,000 men. The, the Midianites, the Amalekites have 100, at least 135,000 men. And God begins weeding out his army. It takes him from 32,000 to 10,000. Everybody that's afraid go home and 22,000 of them disappear. It's like the, uh, you know, the one with the ones with uh, tired, limp hands that went home. The Israelites that went home from the battle. He, he loses twenty-two thousand men just like that, and then, then he he says that's still too many. Ten thousand is too many. Take them down and, and get a drink. And the ones that put their face down in the water were sent home, and the three hundred that lifted the water up in their hands and drank it out of their hands, three hundred of them were left, and they're there now. It's three hundred to fight one hundred and thirty-five thousand. I think if I was part of that three hundred. Brother Galleon, I probably would have said, oh, wait a second, I'm afraid now. <laughs> I wasn't afraid before, but now we're down to 300. I'm afraid now. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> I meant to go with those guys. I mean, you got 450 to 1. That means every one of you bad dudes got to take care of 450 of the enemy. You with me? You ready to go fight? We got this, right? Every one of us is going to take 450. And what does it say? What does it say in verse number nine, Brother Henderson? And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise and get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thy hand. I know you're afraid to fright him, but I want you to go down there and fight him. And he said, What does it say? But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Fira, the ser- thy servant, down to the host. And thou shalt hear what they say, and afterwards thy hands shall be strengthened to go down unto the host. So he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get your servant, and I want you to go down in the nighttime. And 
and I want you to, to, to spy on them, okay? I know you're afraid to go fight them, but I want you to get down there with your servant and get on the edge of the, the camp down there, and I want you to, to begin to spy on them and, and listen. When you hear what they say, your hands are going to be strengthened. What does it say? Then he went down with Fura, his servant, unto the house of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. So many of them, it's like grasshoppers filling the valley. You, you, can, only, you, can, you can understand why the men were so fearful to fight against these. The numbers were so lopsided. It says in verse number 13. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold. I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay along. And his fellow, ans- and his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the hosts. Now this is just funny to me. And I don't know, I'm, I need one of the theologians to tell me, maybe after chapel's over, about the barley, this little barley loaf of bread. But when I listen to this dream, guys, he goes down there and hears the dream. And the dream is this. I was sleeping tonight. You won't believe the dream that I had. It's scary. <laughs> I was dreaming a dream, and out of nowhere... Some baked goods come rolling into the camp. A cupcake comes rolling into the camp, and it runs into the tent, and it knocks the tent over. (laughs) That's scary. And his friend says, I know that's so scary. I know what this means. I know what it means when you have a dream about baked goods and cupcakes that come rolling into the camp and knock our tents over. It means that this is the sword of Gideon. It means that they're going to defeat us. It means that they're going to get the victory. It means that things are going to go awful. Things are going to go terrible. And I'm thinking, he had a dream about baked goods coming in the camp and knocking the tent over. Let me tell you what this reveals. It doesn't reveal necessarily anything about Gideon and his men. What it reveals is something about the enemy that they were fighting. And it reveals and betrays the knowledge that the enemy had about who they were fighting and about who was on their side. Let me tell you something. The Bible says in the next verse that when Gideon heard the word, that his hand was strengthened and he went back and he strengthened the hand of his army. And when you hear what your enemy is saying about you, and what God is doing in and through you. Yes, sir. If you could only hear what's going on in the camp of the enemy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They look at every little seeming victory that you have. They look at every little seeming opportunity that you have. And they say, I know what this means. This means God's on their side and we're never going to be able to defeat them. This means God's on their side and we're not going to get the victory. This means God's on their side and we're going to be defeated. 
And every time you pray again, and every time you fast again, and every time you hold on to that promise, the enemy is saying, I know we're not going to defeat them. There's no way we're going to overcome. They're going to get the victory. And if you're in a situation where it seems like the enemy is too great, they're too numerous, and it's too big for you to fight, I want you to know that God is on your side, and he came to strengthen your hands today. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. If you're fighting an enemy, if you're wrestling with an enemy today, you hold on. If your hands are weary today, you hold Hold on. But what if it's not an enemy that you're wrestling with? What if it's God? What if you find yourself in a wrestling match with God? What if you find yourself today arm wrestling him? What if you find yourself like Sister Nast uh, preached about and, yeah. and, and laid out and was vulnerable and exposed her personal struggles last week in chapel. What if, what if your, your, your faith is being chastised by God? Because there's another scripture in the New Testament in Hebrews. It says, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? He chastens all his sons. But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For, ver- for, for they verily for a few days, our, our earthly fathers chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness." Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And when I was looking for all the scriptures that talk about strengthening the hands, I was like, well, this one doesn't fit with all the rest. Which one doesn't belong? Let's see, fighting the enemy, fighting the enemy, fighting the enemy, fighting God. Being in a wrestling match with God. And that's exactly, Sister Mass fulfilled Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12, when she stood up here and and shared the wrestling match that she was having with her faith. She lifted up the hands which were hanging down and the feeble knees, and she made made straight the paths for our feet, lest that which was lame be turned out of the way. But but listen, this is the goal, Let let it be healed. And so I came to tell somebody today, if your hands get tired from fighting the enemy, that's one thing. But what do you do when your hands get weary? Because God is wrestling with you and wrestling with your will and wrestling with your faith. When you're arm wrestling against God, if God is chastening you today, I want you to know it's because he loves you. I want you to know it's because he's working some things out of you. And he's putting some things into you. And what you need to do, if you find yourself in that situation, hold on. Don't let go. Don't let go. Keep holding on. Stay on the wheel. Stay on the potter's wheel until he's finished forming you, until he's finished making you, until he's finished pulling the impurities out of you. You keep holding on. 
If God is fighting your flesh, just hold on. Because it's not for your destruction. It's for your good. And God may be working these things out of you, but he loves you. He doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to heal you. And I I like the way way the New Living Translation puts it because it says, uh, take a new grip with your tired hands. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, get a grip. Sometimes you just got to get a, you got to get a good grip. You got to get a good hold on things. Now, when I was getting a spanking, when I was a kid, it was normally all three of us at the same time. Three boys, what do you expect? <laughs> and dad would say, go to my room and hold on to the bed. And we'd have to march in there. We'd march out. Oh, I was, never mind, I won't tell you that. We'd march in there. <laughs> We had to hold on to the bed. That was scary, Brother Culp, when he said, hold on to the bed. But you know what he was doing? He, he didn't want to spank our hands. He wanted to spank our little bottoms. So he said, hold on to the bed and don't let go. Because he knew what our, nat- our nature was going to be, get our hands back there. We, you know, get, block the swat, you know. <laughs> and he knew if we did that, we'd go to school with little marks on our hands or something. The teachers would be like, this guy's beating his kids. Look at the hands. Hold on and don't let go. Sometimes you just got to get a grip on something. You just got to get a hold of the altar. You got to get your hands on something and get a grip when you're going through that process and say, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to turn back. I'm not going to turn around. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to get my grip on this thing. And as God is working me, I know that if I go into the fire, that I'm going to come out pure gold. And so it doesn't matter what happens. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Stand with me today as the music will come. One more. One more passage. Genesis chapter 32. Tells the story of Jacob returning home to his brother Esau. He sends all of those that are with him ahead. Verse number 22, it says he rose up that night and he took his two wives and his two women servants, his 11 sons, and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent, sent over that he had so that they was left alone. Verse number 24 says Jacob was left alone. And they wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. When he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. The hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. He never walked the same because he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And he said, the angel of the Lord said, let me go. For day breaketh. And as Jacob wrestled there with the angel of the Lord, he said, I will not let you go. I will not let you go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob, deceiver, conniver, crafty, used car salesman. I stole that joke from somebody. I don't know who said that. And he poured out what had been his identity all of his life. Deceiver, heel grabber. I'm after the blessing. I'm after the birthright, and I'll do anything 
to get it. Anything to get it. And he said, as he's holding on there, wrestling with him, he answered, he said, my name is Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there because he refused to let go. He wrestled with weary hands, even the angel of the Lord, until God said to him, you will no longer be known by your old identity, but instead from now on you will be known as Israel, one who strives with God. One wrestles with God. Was he affirming the idea that we fight against God? We fight against the will of God? We fight against the truth of God's word? No. What he was saying is, you held on. You held on. You stayed engaged in the process. You didn't let go when you got weary. You held on. You have wrestled with God, and you have wrestled with men. You have wrestled against enemies, and you have held on. How was it that Jacob could wrestle with the angel of the Lord, and he could fight him all night in that place, even after he had touched him and his hip had been injured? I'll tell you how. It's because even when his hands were weary, he held on. He never gave up. He stayed engaged in what God was doing. And I came here today to tell you, if your hands are weary, hold on. If you've been praying that prayer over and over again, pray it again. If God's given you a promise, hold on. Let me tell somebody today, you've been praying, you've been fighting, you've been wrestling, you've been holding on with everything that's inside of you. You feel like you're down to nothing left in the tank. You don't know if you can possibly do it any longer. I came to tell you, if you will just hold on, there is going to come a day when you're going to be able to open those tired, weary hands. And that promise that God spoke to you, he's going to place in those tired, weary, worn out hands. God is going to do it. God is going to strengthen you. God is going to bless you. God is going to help you. So if you're tired, just hold on. Is what I feel led to do today. I know that this sermon's not for everybody. Some of us are walking in our strength today, the power of the Holy Ghost, and we don't feel this weariness right now. But there are some people in here right now who are weary, tired, worn out spiritually, emotionally, physically. You've been praying for something you haven't seen come to pass. You wonder when it's ever going to happen. You've been believing for something in your life, in your ministry. You're not sure how it's going to work out. I want to ask us to do this today. And I'm asking for not everybody to come right now because I have something else for the rest of you to do. But if you are weary today, if you have weary hands, I'm asking you to come to this altar right now and stand in this altar room.
If you have weary hands, if you're tired, and you could just say, I need some strength today. I need some help today. I need the help of God. I need him to strengthen my weary hands. And now as much as you can, those of you that are left, I'm asking you to come. And I want you to grab hold of one of these people that are in this altar. And I want you to strengthen their hands through prayer right now. As they begin to sing and play, I want us to begin to pray for one another that God would strengthen our hands. Come on, somebody, just make up in your mind right now. I'm going to hold on. I'm not letting go. I'm weary right now. I'm tired right now. But I believe God is going to give me a victory if I will just hold on. Come on, stay engaged in the battle. Stay engaged in the fight. Don't be weary in well-doing. Don't get tired. You will make it if you faint not. God is going to give you the victory. Come on, I know it hurts. Hold on. I know your hands are tired. Hold on. I know it feels like you're fighting all by yourself. Hold on. I know it seems like the enemy is too great. Hold on. I know the questions are great and the doubts can creep in and you can wonder why God would just hold on. 